going to start from ayah number 10, Surah Hujurat, Surah number 49, inshallah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنما المؤمنون إخوة فأصلحوا بين أخويكم واتقوا الله لعلكم ترحمون أجتراج للسورة الله سبحانه وتعالى is mentioning some of the adab etiquettes, rules and regulations, mannerisms with regard to the Prophet ﷺ and to believers and how to facilitate peace, reconciliation if believers are fighting. And then this final universal value and statement, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةٌ Indeed, believers are brothers. They are from one family. And uh, with every family, there will be disputes. Some people will like what others do, and some people will dislike what others do. So the disputes are almost uh, inevitable. Sometimes they may lead to fights, as long as the Fight does not break out to total disunity. In order to maintain that unity, Allah says, فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ أَخَوَيْكُمْ That if you do fight as brothers, when you see the father, if you understand the Arabic, the father there is that if you do fight as brothers, then reconcile. Okay, find a way to bring each other together, mend your relationships, and uh, resolve your differences as brothers. So if the whole ummah is doing this, that they understand, appreciate, that you will not agree all the time on anything, then you will know that uh, reconciliation is the way forward. بَيْنَ أَخَوَيْكُمْ Between your brothers, as being part of one group, one family unit, and so on. If you fight, you must not burn the house down. Now, you can show your displeasure, maybe not talk to each other for a while, but only for a while. And then make sure you try and coexist and live together in the same building. That requires taqwa. What taqwa? That requires you fear Allah uh, more than anything else. That requires that you observe this uh, because you are worshipping Allah and serving Allah, not your own anger, your own emotions, your own ideas, your own opinions, etc. So taqwa there will help you resolve issues. If you don't have taqwa, you will not be able to resolve issues. So there the taqwa is in the social order. The taqwa is how to be together, remain together, how to coexist. And the taqwa there 
uh, helps you understand uh, that you are, you are all going to meet Allah one day and Allah will be the final judge. And you don't want Allah to judge you. So therefore, take care of your differences here so that Allah doesn't have to judge. That's the idea. لَعَلَّكُمْ yeah. تُرْحَمُونَ So that Raham uh, is shown to you that you may have Rahmah and Raham. Based on this, now you understand the next passage. And the next passage has to do with, again, relationships. And uh, you must uh, uproot all practices that lead to disunity. So there are certain practices that lead to unity, like uh, feeding each other. And there are some practices that lead to inevitable disunity, hatred, enmity, and dissent, basically. So these are some of the principles that a Muslim community must observe. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا يَسْخَرْ قَوْمٌ مِنْ قَوْمٍ عَسَىٰ إِنْ يَكُونُوا خَيْرًا مِّنْهُمْ وَلَا نِسَاءٌ مِّنْ نِسَاءٍ عَسَىٰ إِنْ يَكُنَّ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهُنَّ So we believe in people. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ Here may be specifically referring to men as women have been treated separately in this ayah. <coughs> Do not mock do not mock and deride any group. A group should not deride and mock any other one. And use words that are derogative and use words that are insulting and inflammatory against another qawm, another group, another people. Every a group of people based on their ethnicity and perhaps their subculture, they have practices and values that are different from others. You must realize this, appreciate this. So having one universal culture or what you call it, practice, is not the ideal. Allah doesn't want it. Allah wants you to keep your own identity based on your ethnicity and based on your race and based on your language and so on, based on your food, based on your clothing and everything else. Now, some practices may not be in line with the practices of other people and some forms of subculture will not be the same as other forms of subculture. Some languages will be very different and so on. So there you cannot take uh, undue pride in what you do and how you practice, how you live, what you eat and how you dress, and then use that as a standard of superiority and start to start to mock and deride other people. Mm. So they are all human beings and they all have their idiosyncrasies and they all have their habits, etc. They have their right to exist the way they want to, obviously, as long as it's halal. Now, you should not take it upon yourselves to say that my practice and the way I do this and the way we do this as a, a qawm, a people, 
is much better than how they do this and so on. This obviously creates animosity, enmity, a sense of unnecessary complex of superiority and all of that. The reason Allah says, Asa yakunu khayram min. It is quite possible that they are better than you. Meaning you don't know everything about everybody. So there might be certain practices that they have that are far more superior than yours. They may have certain ways of doing things that are much better than the way you do things. So as a community, and when you have a multi-qawm community, a multinational community, and this ummah is okay, multi-ethnic, multi-race, multi-language ummah. So you're going to have people who live uh, in Africa and North Africa, East Africa, West Africa, South Africa, they're going to be very different. And then you have people who live in the Far East, Malaysia, Indonesia, and China, they'll be very different from others who live yeah, in the Middle East and others who live in South Asia and others who live in other places. But in order to keep the unity of the Ummah and the cohesiveness of the Ummah, you must recognize, number one, that they are a different group of people. Huh? They are a subculture in the Ummah. They're different. And they should be allowed to be different and remain different. Sometimes, you know, people might use the idea of a melting pot, which they don't anymore. That America is a big melting pot and everybody should do what everybody else does. And, and so, on. so once you realize that people from this part of the world, they behave differently and they do things differently. Once you realize that, then you're able to accommodate their existence and not make fun of them and uh, as I said not deride them this now brings about a certain cohesiveness in them you can work together on bigger projects on larger projects so you uh, overlook your you know your micro differences for the purpose of a macro unity so you can do that. Then you do your salat together, your salam, your zakat, your hajj. You do all of these things together so that you remain an ummah and you do collective good for the ummah and so on. But if you bicker about these minor issues, uh, not only bicker, but you now mock at the practice of other people and you don't engage with them at a higher social level, then obviously you are tearing apart the fabric of the, un- of the unity of this ummah, that is not conducive for you to be an ummah, and so on. So Allah says, don't do that, because it might be that the practices of the people you are mocking are much better in the eyes of Allah than your practices. So you go back to taqwa. You go back to bringing things back to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا نِسَاءٌ مِّن نِسَاءٍ عَسَىٰ إِن يَكُنَّ خَيْرًا مِّنْهُنَّ Nor should women mock and deride at the, the ideas and practices and habits of other women, lest that their practices are better than theirs. So this happens also in all segments of society, whether male or female, everybody unfortunately practices this type of 
uh, mockery and this type of insulting remarks, etc. Allah says none of that is allowed. It could be that their practices are better than yours. So there you have to be careful uh, that your soul, salat, zakat, hajj is not overridden uh, by these social vices. So Islam takes care of your ibadat, uh, your rituals. Islam takes care of your ma'amlat, your contracts and the dealings with other people uh, and your social affairs also. Uh, so as a complete society, you must appreciate uh, the um, accommodation uh, that human beings should give to each other, even though they're different. So Islam is not abolishing the differences. Mm. Islam isn't saying to this group that you must practice like that group, and then there's the kind of all melting pot social integration where everything. No, you can remain different uh, as long as you have your tawheed and you do your rituals properly and you stay away from haram, you're okay. You don't need to integrate that much. Nor should you slander each other, nor should you now ascribe any sin or defect uh, to each other. Hmm? That this one does this, this one does that. Talmizu refers to somebody finding error, right, and pecking at somebody's behavior and somebody's action and then finding fault uh, with people's actions just because they don't like them. This also destroys the fabric of unity. It tears apart societies and so on. So that your ethnicity must not be a reason uh, for you to f- try and microscopically find holes in someone's behavior and someone's actions. You can't do that because then, you know, everybody has now, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, faults and, de- uh, and mistakes that they make, mm, as they say. Uh, that we have faults and people have eyes. So if you're going to now uh, point out a mistake for no necessary reason, then others have eyes on you also. They can see all your faults. So you're not immune from mistakes and faults yourself. So if you start now pecking at people and expressing that this one has this fault and this mistake, etc., then others will do the same to you. They have eyes too. And they will speak about you the way you speak about them. If it's necessary, like in court, or in other contractual areas where you need to spell out some mistakes in terms of reconciliation, etc., then then that's a different bargain. This is in general, there's no need whatsoever to talk ill about anybody. And you go there, and you do an x-ray, uh, and then you find these mistakes and these faults. You can't do that. That is now what you call it very satanic. It's devilish. You cannot behave and operate uh, that way, where you work together, and uh, you assess yourselves all the time. And critical evaluation, obviously, is part of the lifestyle in uh, many corporations. and so. On. But that should not be done out of anger, uh, malice should not be done out of hatred, enmity, animosity, sectarianism, etc. That is done for the betterment uh, of the total, the whole good, maybe of the corporation or of the community and society. So it should not be that you are intrinsically evil. Hmm? 
that you are evil person inside, uh, that you're always malicious, and uh, you're always out to get people, you're always out to, uh, you know, bring down people, and so on. So that's evil. Likewise, in the same vein, do not call each other names and give each other different titles that I'm going to name you this way, I'm going to call you this with this attribute and this uh, quality and, and so on. So you cannot do that out of hatred, out of malice, out of enmity and so on, which is not the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you an ummah, has made you a, you know, a universal community that you, you must uh, tread carefully, you must uh, try and you know, spread what we call salam in the community. Hmm? This is a huge evil. So evil is the evil of naming people after iman. That when you go about and you call people uh, with uh, different slurs mm, uh, that make them, you know, very, what do you call it, humiliated. Uh, and your intent is to humiliate people and not to honor them as human beings. That is, Allah says, It's very evil is the sin that is associated with this type of practice. Uh, so obviously, this happens all the time in the U.S. Obviously, you have comedians, late-night shows that make a living out of this. <laughs> there's a lot of comedy, a lot of humor, and so on. Uh, so there you have to be careful that you don't do that, and you don't practice. And so, on. so even for non-Muslims, you should not do this, and so on. Uh, so the rule is that if you, uh, if you start doing this, then it becomes a habit, a practice, a lifestyle. When it becomes a lifestyle, then you don't have any reason to like anyone. There's no respect for anyone. And then what will happen is that your kids will now give you names. <laughs> They'll call you by certain names and titles that you won't like. And it's very normal. It's very natural. So the Sahaba are very careful that they won't call anybody anything. And they won't, you know, pack and find faults and mistakes in other people's lives and their personalities, and then so on. What goes around comes around, huh? And they say, see, if you find a fault and mistake in someone for no reason, then Allah will punish you by giving you the same fault, same mistake. You will not die without committing that same mistake. That's just a rule of life. What goes around comes around. If you're going to now unnecessarily go out there and say, you know, I found this ill and this evil and this vice in this person, Allah will make sure you commit that evil before you die. And that happens to the best of people. And we can tell you stories of the Odia who themselves confessed that one time I made this comment about this person, then I ended up doing it myself. Even though that whatever it was, not a sin. I mean, the comment they made was not about a sin. It was just something that uh, was perhaps not, uh, not something that was ex- accepted in society and so on. So here, with the taqwa, uh, you'll see that Allah wants you to be pure uh, as much as possible. No human being society is going to be pure to the standard of an ideal because that's not possible. But at least make sure that you practice the hadith al-Muslim, مَنْ سَلِمَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ مِنْ لِسَانِهِ وَيَدِهِ 
that this is the hadith that confirms uh, this revelation uh, that a Muslim is a Muslim from whose hands and tongues other Muslims are saved and protected. So you must protect the honor of your Muslim brother. You must not expose the mistake of the Muslim brother or sister. That, that is how the people in Jannah will be. So the only mode of address in Jannah will be based on uh, security, that you give each other security and peace and calmness, and you make sure the platform uh, that you walk on is uh, one of security, that uh, when people see you, they should not fear you, that you're going to say something nasty about them, or they're going to find mistakes in you, and so on. So this is now the ideal for Muslims, that if you want to maintain an ummah, you have to start with the micro-behavior. Everybody talks about unity, unity all the time, unity. Unity doesn't happen if the micro-values are not observed. For instance, uh, suspicion. Uh, the Prophet said you should not be suspicious of each other. This is an integral unit for the unity of the Ummah, that uh, think good of believers, so that you don't create an air of suspicion, and that you're suspicious about each other, then you don't do anything with each other, you don't do business with each other, you don't meet each other, you don't like each other, you hate each other, and you go out and you say the Muslim Ummah is now, uh, so, what? Ununited, disunited. Muslims are never united. That's because you're doing this. You can't talk about the house uh, coming down if you haven't taken care of the infrastructure. What, you loosen all the screws and the bolts and the nuts of the house and you complain the house has come down. You can't do that. So people should stop saying that the Muslims are not united. What you need to do is create an environment for unity to happen. That starts with the micro-values as this having a good opinion about each other, not being suspicious of each other, and so on. When you have that, you create an environment, and then based on that, you start doing things with each other, you trust each other, and you're positive about each other, and then you maintain the idea of making sure you don't break down the house. Right. And this is easier said than done, and it's also overlooked. People treat this very casually, but it's not casual. It's the root disease in the Ummah that you don't have the ability to think good about another believer. So the Prophet said, don't, he didn't say don't be suspicious. He said, bil khayra. He said, be positive about other people. Think positive. You don't start from the negative. Oh, I think this guy. So that only happens if everybody gets together and obviously their behavior must also be conducive that others think good of them. So it's both ways. It's a two-way traffic. So you, you have to behave in such a way that people are not suspicious of you. And then you must behave in such a way that you must not be suspicious of others for no reason. And that's just what you call it. The, 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 the first impulse must not be negative. The first impulse must be positive. 
You cannot live a life based on skepticism. You're skeptical about everybody and everything. And you're negative about everyone. So when you want to uh, instill law and order and unity in the ummah, these evil practices, they must be taken care of. So remove enmity, hatred and malice from the community, you will have a united community. But if you promote enmity, hatred, jealousy, malice, uh, and all of that backbiting, which will be the next ayah, then you will not get a unity that you want. And then you are the reason why there is no unity. You're not the solution. You are the problem. So you can't go out there and tell everybody that we're not united. You're not doing anything to create the unity in the first place. You're the reason for the disunity. That's where taqwa then comes on. What taqullah? Fear Allah. Are you doing this for Allah and the Rasul? Or are you doing this because you just want people to think that you're a cool guy? Uh, you can go out and do and say whatever it is you want to say and do. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَتُبْ فَأُولَٰئِكَهُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ So now here Allah equates this with dhulm, injustice. Whoever does not make tawbah and repent from this crime is a crime as well as a sin. Then indeed they are unjust. They are unjust. Meaning they, they, they should not be allowed to live in society. They should be punished in the court of law for doing things like this. We don't go that far. We say it's a sin, but it's also a crime in the words of the Qur'an. Dhalim is unjust. So if you have these practices and malices, you should make tawbah, reform yourself, and ask Allah to forgive you. This is the social order. The social order is vainous, so we have to be careful how we go about it. So unity in the ummah will not come unless the hearts are united. The hearts will not be united if you're always thinking bad about people, if you're always suspicious and you're skeptical and you're a pessimist and so on. So here, this is the formula for a social order and a formula for developing unity in the ummah. These are the micro-values that must be adhere to inshallah that's number the second eye the third eye goes much further um, there, there are some titles just as a footnote uh, sometimes there are good titles which are not sounding good but they're good in general because they're, they're, not, they're not mentioned out of malice etc. Some of the muhaddithun have certain titles based on their, their physical body and so on. So those are uh, separated because they, 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 they were not offensive and nobody was insulted by carrying those names. And so on. That, that's a discussion in fiqh. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ مَنُشْتَنِبُوا كَثِيرًا مِنَ الظَّنِّ إِنَّ بَعْضَ الظَّنِّ إِثْمٌ here, another value that we have, a common practice, unfortunately, amongst non-Muslims, as uh, also with Muslims. So some of these are the, the values. Allah Taala is isolating the Muslims and saying that you as Muslims, you have a higher standard of behavior than non-Muslims. If non-Muslims do this, then okay, then they're non-Muslim. Okay. They, they have a bar also. They have a standard of behavior, which is you know, basic human civilizational values. But you as an ummah leading other people, 
you have a bar you must set which is much higher than the bar of non-Muslims. So if the non-Muslims have a standard of uh, being, you know, at least outwardly civilized and, uh, you know, caring for other people and civil, then the Muslim society must be much more than that. So here Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladhina O you who believe, Allah is addressing Muslims, you know, uh, be uh, kind of weary of this. Ishtanibu kathiram min al-dhan. Stay away from many speculative thoughts. Many speculative thoughts. Dhan. Many forms of speculation. And speculation also leads to suspicion. In the Ba'dul some forms of speculative thought, they become sinful, and that's suspicion. Su'dhan. Su'dhan, the evil, now speculation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it starts with the mind, your mindset, and your worldview, and how you think other people are. Because you're speculating, you're speculating. Initially, this speculation may not be sinful. You just, oh, maybe he's doing this. But then later on, it will become sinful, and that is when you have suspicion and doubts about people as individuals, also as a society. So, I mean, the Muslim ummah was always very optimistic about its own individuals, and it is always dealing with positive thoughts. Very rarely would we have negative thoughts, because that is what aman means. Security, Iman gives you Aman. Uh, Iman gives you security along with peace. So it has to be done through uh, the mental process of behaving. Mm. So you can be doing Salat, but you'll have negative feelings about the person next to you in Salat. That's not Aman. You're not giving anybody any security. That is not Islam. So that reformation needs to happen. Islam and Nafs. Reforming the nafs, that your nafs is now always eager uh, to be very selfish. That's what the nafs is, especially the nafs amara. So the nafs is always eager to think evil and to promote evil and to enjoy evil. So when you are concerned about security, then you must stop thinking this way. It's here. Yeah meaning you, ha- you have a pleasant disposition and you want to work with people. You are a team player. You're not selfish and you don't have an ego which is, you know, uh, inflated to the degree where uh, you don't even like anyone in the world. Hmm? So this is now speculation. Some forms of speculation become sinful and that is this one where you are over-suspicious of people and nobody can talk to you and you don't believe anyone, no one believe, believes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's now a formula for reforming the mental state of the ummah. Because this is all in the mind. It's a mental state. The mental state needs to be reformed as well as the practice, okay, the ostensible zahir, uh, practice of Muslims, that also needs to be reformed in terms of good behavior and salat, sobs, as I mentioned. All those rituals. But the Quran does not ignore the mind. 
the Quran is a book of revelation, it reveals the human mind also. And the human mind is prone to be this way. It's prone to be pessimistic, it's prone to be negative, and it's prone to be possessive. And that's just the way inside. That's the way inside is built. So there we have to realize and appreciate that human beings, they need guidance in their mental behavior and observation, informing their worldview also. Uh, they cannot simply uh, gravitate towards their nafs and assume that they don't need reform. They need reform. And the Quran is the one who reforms. The Sunnah is the one that reforms. And Islam is the one that reforms. So we all need that, uh, every one of us. And we must not assume that uh, we are above and beyond correction and reformation. So this is how, in the Ba'dullan Ithmun. Now, this type of Itham, suspicion, doubt, which is a sin, will lead you to do other heinous things, which become very criminal at the societal level. Mm, don't spy on each other. Well, if you're suspicious, the only way you're going to spy is if you're suspicious of somebody doing something. Huh? Don't be suspicious of each other and don't spy on each other. That You go out of your way to observe and then to, to you know, photograph and videotape other people, eavesdrop on their conversations and find faults and mistakes and see what they're doing in the privacy of their homes. So you cannot do that. Islam doesn't allow you to do this. Islam wants you to live in a state of not just freedom but security. It's a difference. The freedom that doesn't give you security is not freedom. Freedom that gives you security, that's freedom. Yeah. Allah says, Those people who believe in Allah and they don't adulterate their iman with dhulm and shirk, they are the ones who have aman, security. So security in a society is first and foremost. Now, if you're a free community society, you have freedom, but you're not secure. Then that's not guidance. That's the Quran at the end of the ayah. They are the ones who are rightly guided. The ones who are rightly guided will afford security. And ones who are not rightly guided, they'll afford freedom without security. Yeah, so they will monopolize security for themselves. That's the way you should see society. But here, the, 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 the uh, what do you call it, the real cause for this is suspicion. Uh, so if you implant in people's minds that be suspicious of this person, then you're going to open the doors for spying, eavesdropping. So the, the society there, now, whether it's through a political, uh, legal system or it's just through by human beings behaving this way, it doesn't matter. That there's, there's no reason for you to doubt this person uh, and then to profile this type of person uh, and then create insecurity in these groups of people. That's not guidance. But it stems from assuming evil of others. So the root cause and the root disease is dhan. 
speculation, which leads to a sin, which is now what you call it suspicion. So obviously, as I said, it's both ways. So then we and others should not behave in such a way that might uh, you know, lead people to be suspicious of us. That's our civic responsibility. On the other side, the government's responsibility is they shouldn't spy. I know it's all, obviously it was all done in the name of national security and so on. And in between there are some gray areas which we don't have time to get into. Uh, but in the Muslim community, if you are there in an Islamic community, then you would not have a platform to doubt every Muslim. And you cannot live in speculation and with the sin and uh, you know, insecurities uh, that you then impose, superimpose on residents and the, the citizens and the members of your community because that is not guidance. So, so when you have iman, you have aman, you have security. So Muslims live with aman, and they give others aman and security also. And then they're rightly guided, so you have a good society where you can live freely and safely. So safety and security, they are a must for freedom, not just freedom in of itself. So here we see that the Qur'an is revealing, it reveals the state of mind that now creates insecurity. So you got that? Yeah. The peace of mind that creates insecurity, the, the, the mindset which creates insecurity, and also then the social kind of, what do you call it, an environment that leads others to do uh, things that they should not do. That if you have a situation where the circumstance situation leads to theft and robbery, looting and plundering, then you need to take care of that as you take care of this. Same thing. I mean, this leads to that. So you have to uh, understand the cause and take care of the cause uh, before you take care of the effect. Or as you take care of the effect, take care of the cause also. So now this all based on the mindset. It's all mind. So here in the mind. The mental state of a Muslim is just as important as the outer practice of Islam. Then you know that you are a good society, a good community. But if you haven't developed the mental state, then you'll not be able to produce a community that yields and offers security to each other at least. So that's the, uh, the bottom line. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do not spy on each other. You know the famous story of Umar, he would walk the streets of Medina as a khalifa, and then he would see if anybody's in any need or anything. So he went through this gully, and he heard noises from a certain place. So he went there to the house, and he, he scaled you know, the, the very uh, maybe short wall, he scaled and he looked over. And uh, he, he noticed people were drinking and so on. Mm. Yeah. So he went over the wall, went into the, the house of the resident and said that I'm going to now charge you and arrest you. So the man said, this is how <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala developed the minds of the people of Medina in the early days. And the man said, yeah, if I, I've broken one law and you've broken three. I said, what is that? He said, you spied on me. 
The Quran says that they're just a suit on spine each other. You looked over the wall. And number two, that you scale my wall, which is not burglary. And number three, you came into my house without my permission. The Quran says you can't do that. Right? Now, the fact he's drinking now becomes secondary. The fact that you broke three laws while you were doing this, <laughs> that shows you the, 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 the depth of Muslim civilization, that we, we don't tolerate anything. You can't make uh, a wrong right. What you did is three wrongs. What I did is one wrong. Now, you can go and you know, flog me for drinking, but uh, who's going to take care of you? <laughs> because apparently there's no hurt for what you did. There's no punishment, legal punishment for what you did, but there's a legal punishment for me. Huh? So that's not due process. So now everybody talks about taqwa, taqwa, this guy's drinking. You can't speculate whether he's, as the ulama say, very, I, I think very, very emphatically, if somebody's going into the pub, you cannot assume he's going there to drink. Yeah. You can't assume that. You need husnilhan. Now, if he comes out drunk, that's a different thing. But the mind, the mental state of a Muslim must be pure. Yeah. Now, there's, as I said, there's no legal punishment for, for thinking ill of people, but there's a very severe social consequence for that wrong thought. There's no one, there's no speculation, there's no suspicion. And so, so that suspicion leads to so many other forms of corruption in the society. And obviously, God forbid you make a mistake in your assumption then. Maybe he really didn't go into the pub to drink. He has something else to do. Then you're wrong. Totally wrong. So Islam, Islam addresses the cause as well as the effect. This cause will yield a corrupt uh, what do you call it, effect. It will be corrupt because the cause is corrupt. So you don't go there. So your akhlaq, your ethics, moral, and your citizenship requires this, that you always think good of each other. So you must not be privy to the faults of other people. You don't want to be that. That's also a civilizational value. I don't want to know your mistakes, your faults, there's no confession, Islam. You confess to Allah. You say, Allah, I've committed sin. Forgive me. You make tawbah. There's no confession to anybody. Right? So if you confess, that's another sin. You know that too? If you confess your sin to somebody, that confession is a sin in of itself. That's why we don't allow confession uh, of any kind. Uh, even if it's for counseling, you don't know, say, maybe I said something I did wrong. What do I do? Okay. You cannot publicly declare any evil. So Allah doesn't want you to spread evil. Evil should not be spread. Evil should be contained. Then eradicated. You don't spread it this way. So that's not the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the ummah to work. And that's not the way we should behave either. So this is here. That you do not, you know, what do you call it? Spy in each other. Neither the state level nor the individual communal level. Now, the reason for allowing any kind of security measures, that's a different discussion altogether based on what we call siyasa. Hmm.
We'll have to stop here. This discussion is quite long. But you see now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah is, is uh, uh, describing all the social etiquettes and all the rules and regulations of how to behave, how to observe and how to think with regards to the Prophet with regards to believers when they give a report, with regards to Muslims when they fight each other, and uh, with regards to uh, reconciliation and being brothers, establishing the unity in uh, the brotherhood, and also with regards to uh, interpersonal relationships with other types of people and how not to think about each other and how not to spy. So it's, a, it's a surah of you know, civilizational values of the highest order. Yeah. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to recite the Qur'an, allow us to understand the Qur'an, allow us to, inshallah, implement all the ahkam of the Qur'an. Ameen, ya rabbal alameen, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khilqa. Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabihi 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 w